This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles. Turn to the book of Galatians tonight, if you would. Uh, we've been going through Galatians verse by verse. We're probably going to wrap this up in the next uh, six to eight weeks or so. So uh, we're kind of down the home stretch of this, getting ready to get into some really deep water as far as deep spiritual truths that will change your life in the next couple of weeks. Uh, tonight's message, I think, is going to be very, very helpful for you even this week. But when we get into taking a look at the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit and unpacking those and then examining our own lives, lives, there we go, uh, our own lives in light of the fruit of the Spirit or the works of the flesh, it's going to get pretty heavy. And so I'm really excited about that as we uh, look into this passage. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in uh, verse number 16 uh, tonight, if you would. Paul has been taking a look at uh, legalism in this passage, saying, hey, it's not about following rules to be accepted by God. It's faith in Jesus Christ alone, and then that relationship with Jesus will change the rest of your life. And that's what we're really looking for, a real relationship with Jesus that causes us to live differently. Last week, we took a look at what Paul says is the liberty of the Christian, that we are free now in Jesus Christ. We're not held down by rules and regulations. Uh, We're now free to live in the power of Jesus Christ, and that is a very liberating thing for us. And he says, we have liberty now, but we shouldn't use our liberty to be able to sin or do what we want to or to go against what the Bible says. No, 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 your liberty, your freedom that you have now gives you the opportunity to serve other people. Because of what Jesus has done for you, you get to pass on what you've been given to other people because you now have freedom in Jesus. We found ourselves in Galatians chapter five, verse number 16 uh, through 18. And that is where we're gonna spend our time. Galatians chapter five, verse number 16. I say this then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a verse that we should circle star uh, in our Bible. We should underline it. We should commit it to memory. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's big stuff there. Verse number 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. As we take a look at this passage tonight, Paul uh, contrasts two different parts of every Christian. The first of those being the flesh, the other being the spirit. Uh, The word that Paul uses for the word flesh here means the soft, fleshy part of the body. Uh, In Paul, this writing was, uh, this phraseology that he used of the flesh was unique to his writings. You don't find it in other uh, apostles or authors in the New Testament, this word that Paul used for the flesh to define the weak part of the Christian Uh, The word flesh that he uses here describes the evil that is in a man's heart apart from God. Sometimes you might hear a Christian say, uh, you know, somebody said something to me and I just got in the flesh and told them what I thought about it. That's always a bad thing for a Christian. Man, somebody said something, I tell you what, the, the flesh just came out of me and I said something that I shouldn't have. They are admitting that they did not handle themselves in a Christ-like manner and they allowed their evil nature to take over and to respond to that. 
So Paul here, when he speaks of the flesh, he's talking about the part that us that is a part of us that is apart from God. This is the state of the unsaved man. The man who does not know Jesus Christ as his Savior, the only thing he has is the flesh. The only thing that rules him is what he thinks or what he feels or what his emotions tell him to do or what he sees society doing. He copies what he sees in other people. This is the only hope that he has because he is ruled by the flesh. Last week, we took a look at our freedom that we had in Jesus Christ. I told you a good parallel passage for that was Romans chapter six. As we take a look at this passage tonight, if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you always take notes when you come to church, right out to the side of that Romans chapter eight. Uh, Now, we're gonna be flipping back and forth between Romans eight and this passage because they're so beautifully interwoven as they talk about the flesh versus the spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse number nine, if any man have not the spirit of God, spirit of Christ, he is none of his That means that every person who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior does not have the Holy Spirit, and the only hope that they have is the hope that they have in their flesh, which will fail. The flesh also describes the state of our old nature. This is the way that we used to be before we knew Jesus or before we started walking with Jesus. And the Bible says that in Jesus Christ that all things are made new, and this new creation that we are should have left the flesh behind. This is the state of our old nature before we knew Jesus Christ. This is also, unfortunately, the state of the carnal or the backslidden Christian. These are Christians who know better but choose not to walk in the spirit but choose to walk in the flesh instead. These are Christians who know what they should do but they choose to serve themselves instead. These might even be Christians who once upon a time used to walk with Jesus, used to walk in the spirit and knew the power of the spirit but now have fallen away from God in their relationship and are now what we, the Bible refers to as being backslidden. They're further away from God than they were once upon a time. And now they're ruled by their flesh. Your flesh is the thing that tells you on a Sunday night, you've had a long day, you should probably stay home and you don't go to church. Your flesh is the thing that tells you on a Sunday night, hey, you got a big week ahead, you should probably stay home and conserve your energy and stay home and watch Netflix till midnight tonight because you got a big week coming up. That's what your flesh says. And your flesh has so little power to fight that thing in Netflix when you get to the end of a show and it says, next episode starting in five, four, three. And your flesh goes, ooh, yeah, I got got another 45 minutes, that's fine. Uh, And you just keep on trucking, right? That's your flesh. You know your flesh. Those things will destroy you if you allow your flesh to run the show. Because the Bible says if you're walking in the flesh, you cannot please God. That's heavy. That's big stuff. Keep your finger in in, uh, Galatians uh, chapter 5 tonight, if you would. We're going to come back here several times. uh, But we're going to flip back and forth between here and Romans 8. So flip back to Romans 8 in your Bible, if you would. Maybe you have a bookmark or something you can stick. Maybe it's one of those 18 bulletins you have in the front flap of your Bible. You can stick one of those in uh, Galatians 5. We'll be back in a second. But Romans 8 is such a beautiful parallel uh, of this passage. Romans chapter eight, verse number seven says this, but because the carnal, uh, when anytime you see the word carnal, it's speaking of the flesh, uh, this desire that I have, this propensity to sin, uh, the natural man, the unsaved man, the uh, old carnal nature that we have. So the carnal mind is enmity. That word enmity means it's an enemy against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So your flesh 
is in direct opposition to the word of God. That's a problem. Your flesh says, I know my coworker's probably gonna die and go to hell, but I don't wanna bring that up because that would be weird. That's what the flesh says. And that is an enemy of the word of God. The spirit says, you should share your faith even if it's awkward because it'd be a lot better for this guy to know how he can know Jesus than to die without him. But the flesh says, yeah, but that would make things weird and I don't want things to be weird. And we have this war against the flesh and the spirit. That's what we're taking a look at here tonight. So he says in verse number seven, it's an enemy against God. Verse number eight says this, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, absolute statements in the Bible always catch my attention. Like, this will never happen. I wanna hear what that has to say. Sometimes we say stuff like that, like, you're never encouraging. That's an absolute statement that probably isn't true. Maybe you're not as encouraging as you should be or don't encourage a lot, but you are never, you know, you are always late. For some of you, that might apply, um, might apply. Uh, but for most time, most people, it's like, okay, that, that's true some of the time, but not necessarily all the time. But when the Bible makes an absolute statement, like, you cannot do this, we should perk up and say, hmm, what does it say? If you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. And here's the crazy part about that. We can do good things in the flesh that don't please God. For example, uh, let's say uh, the offering basket comes by and I write a check for $1,000 and I put it in the offering basket. We would say giving to the Lord sacrificially would be a good thing. We would all, I think we would all agree with that. Giving sacrificially out of heart of worship to God is a good thing. But what if I say, I know this guy next to me is watching me as I write my check, so I'm gonna add another zero on then so he'll think that I'm somebody and then I'll put it in the offering basket. That was, that doesn't please God. You write a check for a million bucks, it doesn't please God. So we can do... Say, for example, you wanna share your faith with your coworker because you want them to think that you're something that you're not. You're in the flesh, and that doesn't please God. So we can do good things with the wrong intentions. You see, God doesn't want you to just do what he says. He wants you to do what he says for the right reasons. Motives always matter to God, always. So when we say that, if you are in the flesh, you won't please God a lot. That's not a true statement. You'll, you'll never please God as long as you're in your flesh. Hebrews eleven six 6 also makes another absolute statement. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's another absolute statement. If you do not have faith, you will never please God. If you're walking in the flesh, you will never please God. And it should be the goal of every Christian to please God with our life. I wanna honor the Lord in everything that I do. So how do I do that? I can't walk in the flesh. The other alternative is to walk in the spirit. And if you walk in the, the flesh, your carnal mind, the Bible says, is an enemy against God and is against God's word. Now, Romans 8, as well as Galatians 5, where we're at tonight, talks also of the spirit. Now, the spirit describes the power and the presence of God in each believer. If you are saved... There's been a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. There was a time, a date, and a place where you were born again. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you're still here in uh, Romans chapter 8, take a look at verse number 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. 
Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you have the Holy Spirit, it's because you're saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's because you're not saved. Uh, there are some portions of Christianity that would say that you get saved and then maybe later you'll get the Holy Spirit. That, that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, you got saved here. We're going to pray really hard that maybe one day you'll get the Holy Spirit or we'll bring you up and have a special prayer service over you and lay hands on you and then maybe you'll get the Holy Spirit. Verse 9 here is very clear. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, there's only one reason for that. It's because you're not saved. And if you are saved, nobody has to pray or lay hands on you or ask the Holy Spirit to come to you automatically there at the moment that you got saved. And this is one of the greatest comfort for believers because God now dwells in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is in heaven and sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross to pay for your sins. And the hope that we have of heaven was paid for by Jesus Christ. And now the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And Jesus Christ is returning one day to take us to heaven to be with our heavenly Father. That's the Godhead, as the Bible calls it. But you and I have the Spirit living inside of us, which means this, I don't have to be ruled by the flesh anymore. I don't have to give attention to my carnal desires. I don't have to be a slave to my sin any longer. This is not available to the unsaved man. Again, the Holy Spirit is a gift only for Christians. The Holy Spirit is a gift that's available only to Christians, so the unsaved man has no access to walk in the Spirit. This is why when we speak to non-Christians, the best we can say is, hey, try harder, hey, do better. I've never given marriage counseling to unsaved couples because I have nothing to tell them. Married, married couples, I say, walk in the Spirit. Be obedient to the Word of God. Love Jesus, love your spouse. Follow your biblical role that you have inside your marriage. Unsaved people, I, I don't know what to tell them. Hey, be nice. Count to five before you say something ugly. I mean, I don't know. Because the unsaved man, all he can do is change his behavior. It's behavior modification, which generally doesn't work too well. But for the Christian, it's totally different. I have the Holy Spirit of God in me, and my old self, he died. And I don't have to live that way anymore. I can live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I have God residing in me, I have the opportunity to do things that were never at my disposal before. This does not mean that we will not struggle against sin, but it does give us victory over sin when we fight. Just because you're a Christian does not mean that you will never sin again. Man, how nice would that be, huh? There was a uh, type of uh, Christianity that came along probably towards the late uh, 1800s that was an offshoot of a Methodism called the Holiness Movement, which later spawned the uh, Prosperity Gospel, which is one of the greatest curses upon America in, in all of church history. The Holiness Movement, though, said this, that, that when you got to a certain point in your walk with Christ, you could receive a second blessing. And this second blessing would be a sinless state of sanctification that you would never sin again for the rest of your life. Hey, how can I get that for my kids, right? How can I sign my kids up to get that blessing so that they never sin again? How nice would that be? But that's not found in Scripture anywhere at all. It's actually anti-biblical message. 
The Bible says we will continue to struggle against sin, but the Bible gives us a promise that because we have the Holy Spirit, every time we fight against sin, we have the opportunity to win. Because God is greater than our sin. His grace is greater than our sin. We have more resources at our disposal than we did before. But this flesh and spirit thing, it's hard. I know what I should do, but oftentimes I don't do it. Because the Bible says that the flesh and the spirit are at war against each other. They fight against each other day after day. You've experienced this. You know what you should do, but you don't want to do it. You know you should read your Bible, but you say that you don't have time. You know that you should spend time in prayer, but you say, I'll do it tomorrow. You know that you should take better care of your health because your body's the temple of God, but you say, I'll get around to that someday. I know I shouldn't do these things because it would make Jesus look bad, but I, I'll do it anyways. That is the war of your flesh versus your spirit. And it's a daily, constant battle in the life of every Christian. But the good news is this, we have victory over the war. If we take a look here in, in the book of Romans, Take a look at um, verse number 15. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 7, verse number 15. Back up just a little bit from, ver- from chapter 8 where we were. Romans 7, 15. Paul, here's what Paul says. For that which I do allow not, for what I would that I do not, but what I hate that I do, if I then do that which I would not, I consent under the law that it's good. Now there's no more that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says this. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, and those are the things that I want to do. And he goes on to even say this, and this is where I want you to perk up and listen. Verse number 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I want to do the right thing, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I really want to do the right thing, but I'm just not doing it. Has anybody ever been there before? I really want to do the right thing, but I just choose not to. You know, I really want to go to the gym, but I don't feel like it today. I really want to eat healthy this week, but I just don't want to do it. I really want to read the Bible. I want to grow in my Christian faith. I want to be bold for Jesus, but I just can't find it in me to actually get it done. Paul says, that's me. So again, I think if we would look at any Christian in the Bible and would say, man, somebody who knew God, somebody who had been trained by Jesus himself, somebody who really wanted to grow in their faith, I think it would be Paul. And if anybody could get a second blessing of being sinless, I would say that Paul would probably be my top 10 guest for guys that would possibly get a blessing like that. But Paul says this, I struggle. And in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Paul said the number one thing that holds me back in my walk with Jesus Christ is me. I love Paul's transparency. He doesn't put the blame on anybody else. He doesn't say, well, the society we live in today makes it very difficult to live as a Christian. (laughs) And Paul knew about that. You know why? Because Paul got thrown in prison for preaching Jesus. Paul didn't make excuses that people just don't want to hear the truth these days. And, and you know, it's going to be really hard. Paul says, you know what the thing holding me back is? Me. I think most of us in our walk with Christ, when we get stuck, 
or when we go back to the way that we were, or our mind even begins to think about the way that things used to be, the thing that gets us stuck is us. And sometimes our flesh doesn't even act itself out in the actual commission of the act. It's the thoughts that we think that our flesh begins to think thoughts. Hey, what am I missing out on by being a Christian? Man, things were so much easier when I didn't walk with Jesus. Man, my life, I didn't face the kind of problems that I face now when I was walking my own path and doing my own thing. Hey, friend, when you're going with the flow and going where the devil wants you to go, there's very little for any reason for opposition. But when you decide to walk with Jesus, things get tough. And I've known people before who say things like, well, things were so much easier back in college when all I had to do was, was, was drink and party and hang out with my friends. Hey, guess what? First of all, college wasn't designed for that. Second of all, college life doesn't last forever. Third of all, you didn't really have happiness there at all. You had a lot of regret and disappointment every time you woke up with a hangover or waked up, woke up in a pool of vomit or you woke up with people that you didn't even know who they were. There wasn't a lot of fun back then, so don't look back at it with that type of mentality. Hey, look, Jesus has brought you from that. Don't allow your mind to tell you that going back there is a good thing because it's not. Paul says, again, chapter number seven, he struggles with this, his flesh versus his spirit. When it comes to the war against the flesh and the spirit, the victor will be the one that is well fed. If your flesh is fighting your spirit, I can tell you right now which one's gonna win the one that you feed the most. If you're weak spiritually, your flesh is gonna roll over you like a Mack truck, guaranteed. If your flesh is weak and your, or your flesh is weak and your spirit is strong, nothing can stop God from doing what he wants to do in your life. Again, Romans chapter eight, verse number five. For they are after the flesh, do mind the things after the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, you know what you wanna take care of the flesh. If you're away from your walk with Christ the way that it should be, you're thinking about what you can do to, for the next good time that you can have, what your self wants, what you wanna do, how you wanna go. But if you're walking in the spirit, it's totally different. I used to ask uh, teenagers in high school and stuff like that, hey, what do you want to do with your life after you graduate high school? It's always interesting to hear what, what people have, uh, uh, you know, things they want to do, dreams that they have and stuff like that. It's always interesting when I meet some kid, he says, I want to play basketball in the NBA. And I look at him and he's like 5'5". Five, five, and it's just like, hope that works out for you. Let me know how it goes, man. Hook me up with tickets. Don't ever forget me. Knowing good and well, you're never going to make it, kid, you know. But I stopped asking that question several years ago because I don't want kids to think, what do I want to do when I grow up? Ask the question, what do you feel like God wants you to do with the rest of your life after you graduate high school? Better question. What do you feel like God wants you to do? One question is a question of the flesh. What do you want to do? What would be fun to you? What do you think would give you the maximum enjoyment out of life? The other question, what would God have you do with the rest of your life? Ask the question, how can you give God glory through your life? What are you gonna do of eternal significance with the rest of your life? What are you gonna do that's gonna matter when you get to heaven one day with the rest of your life? There's a difference. And we need to teach our children to feed their spirit. We as adults need to feed our spirit because 
whichever one is fed the most is the one that will win this war. We have to feed our spirit and starve our flesh. Simple as that. What are ways that we can feed our spirit this week? Somebody help me with that. Be in prayer. Love it. Be in the word. Love it. Listen to worship music. I'll help you with this tonight. Worship music is different than Christian music. (laughs) Worship music draws my heart closer to God. Christian music doesn't always do that. I am, um, oh, I'm not going to say it. Um, <laughs> let me just say that everything that they play on Christian radio is not necessarily Christian music. It could pass on any pop radio station in America. Uh, worship music is different than the junk that they play on the radio. You say, Pastor, are you hating on Christian radio? If the shoe fits, wear it. Um, but here's the thing. We we take our kid. We spend far too much time in, in the car every day. My wife sometimes spends up to three hours a day in the car, and there's so much drivel, nonsense drivel on Christian radio, to the point where I say I would rather turn this off and listen to like Beethoven or something like that uh, than to listen to to this nonsense. I don't want to listen to music that makes light of Jesus. I don't want to make. I don't want to listen to music that uses the word Holy Spirit just because it rhymes with whatever else was in the, the verse. I don't want to listen to music that would just be another pop bubblegum radio single that happens to throw in some positivity and vague talk about God in there. I'm not interested in that. I want heart that I want music that grips my heart and soul and draws my spirit to the spirit of Christ. Man, we sing, we sing hymns here. We sing a good mix of hymns and, and newer songs here. I think hymns are incredibly important because there's a lot of good doctrine in hymns. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, Oh, my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. That speaks to the depths of my soul. It really does. And the the, the songs we sing uh, tonight, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. My cornerstone is solid rock, strong through the fiercest drought and storm. What depths of love, what heights of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the power of Christ, I stand. Oh, man, I get, I get chicken skin just saying that. Oh, my word, to think of, of the song we sang, Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied, Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. Your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. Oh, man, that grips me. We need music like that that feeds our soul. And if you look at that and you go, that music is so lame. I get it. It might not be for you, but I want to help you to develop an appetite for stuff like that. 
I didn't like Panda Express when I first started eating it. I know that's hard for some people to imagine. I still only get orange chicken there. That's fine. But you know what? I developed an appetite for it. And here's a crazy thing. I, I like Panda Express so much that I actually, this is, you know, some of you are going to feel really badly when I say this, I actually dislike real Chinese food now. <laughs> like we had a friend who was like, best Chinese food in town, Pastor, you got to go. I went there, I was just like, ooh, this is nasty. Do you guys have like orange chicken? And they're like, that's not real Chinese food. It's like, oh, I didn't know. Um, went to Malaysia with, uh, with some friends earlier this year. We would go to a Chinese restaurant. I said, do they have Panda Express here? He said, no, they have real Chinese food. I go, this is going to be a long week. Um, <laughs> And I was, you know what shocked me? This has nothing to do with the message, but I just want to share this with you. When you go to Asia and you eat at a real Chinese restaurant, like a legitimate Chinese restaurant, they don't even have fortune cookies. Did you know that? That's like evidently not a real Chinese thing. And imagine my shock and dismay when I found out at the end of the meal, there was no fortune cookies to be had. Not that I could have read what was in the inside anyways, but... Um, how do we get, feed your spirit, right. <laughs> Sorry about that, going back. Listen to worship music, not garbage music that the world pumps out, or not even lightweight, watered down, Christian-ish music. Listen to worship music, man, that'll feed your spirit. What's some other ways we can feed our spirit this week? Anton. Be around other solid Christians. I want to encourage every single person here tonight, in the next 90 days, have a meal or have coffee with another Christian. Just throwing that out there. It can be somebody in our church, it can be a Christian coworker, something like that. Here's what I know. The more I'm around other Christians, the more that I'm encouraged. The more it helps my walk with God. And, and don't just get together to talk about sports and uh, did you watch any football this weekend? Oh, can you believe so-and-so's out with an ankle injury for two weeks and stuff like that? What's something good God's done in your life in the last month? What would you say something you've read in your Bible in the last 30 days that's challenged you? And here's the thought with that. If you haven't been reading your Bible in the last 30 days, you're not going to ask questions like that. So you want to make sure that you're on point first, right? So good Christian fellowship will feed my spirit. What's some other things? Feed my spirit. Anybody? Man, I want to see God answer prayer. When he does, I want to say, God, God did that for me. What's some other ways we can strengthen our spirit this week? Share your faith with other people. You got it. Again, I don't want to talk about Jesus if I'm not living for Jesus. And so I need to make sure that I am where I need to be so that I can share my faith with other people. Good. What else? Discipleship. I want to take what God's taught me and I want to pass it on to another Christian. Or even this, I want to continue to learn in my walk with Christ. Uh, for me, I've been walking with Jesus for uh, two decades. I'm still trying to learn. I still got books that I read this past week that are going to help me to be a better Christian. I want to continue that process of discipleship for the rest of my life. What's some other ways? What's that? Sing at home. That's a good thing. Man, uh, here's the thing. I have a terrible voice, but I love to sing with my family. And sometimes me and Angela, we put worship music on in the, in the car and we sing together. It's like our own little carpool karaoke thing we got going on. It's cool. What else? Listen to preaching more than just on Sundays. Now, Caveat, solid Bible teachers. Uh, if you need somebody to screen your preaching for you that you listen to, let me know. I'd be happy to, to hear it. Um, you know, it, it grieves me sometimes that, that people think they're doing a really good thing by listening to more preaching only to realize they're listening to a false teacher or someone that has bad doctrine or has, someone who has no doctrine at all. 
And so listen to good, solid Bible preaching outside of church time. Good, what else? Memorize scripture. I'm gonna put God's word in my heart so that I won't sin against him. I'm gonna meditate and memorize the Bible this week. And it might only be a short verse, but I'm gonna commit that to memory and allow that to meditate on my heart throughout the week. What else? Ask for encouragement. Hey man, I'm struggling this week. Could you pray for me? Hey, could you check on, on me next Sunday and ask me if I've read my Bible this week? That's awesome. Accountability, I love it. What else? Fast. I'm gonna set aside a meal time for maybe one meal, maybe two meals, maybe even a day. And I'm really just gonna focus on God. And instead of eating a meal, I'm gonna say, God, I'm giving up my food for this portion of time because I really just wanna hear from you. I wanna be close to you. I wanna make sure that everything's right between us. Good. What else? Flee from temptation. When sin comes my way, I'm running the opposite direction. I can't even afford it. What else? Pretty good start, right? Now, we can't do these things and while at the same time continue to feed our flesh because the Bible, here's what the Bible says, these are contrary one to another. They don't work together. I can't hang out with my Christian friends and get encouragement and pray and ask them to, to love me and encourage me and help me and keep me accountable and then 15 minutes later go over to somebody's house and get drunk. Why? The Bible says those are contrary one to another. I can't try to have a godly relationship with someone and then be sexually immoral. They're contrary one to another. Single adults, you can't say, I want to have a God-honoring relationship with, with guys or girls and stuff like that and then be sexually promiscuous. They, they don't work together. They don't go together. One is going to win out over the other. And know this, our flesh will cancel out any good that our spirit wants to do because the flesh is so strong. Paul says that. Paul says, I know what I want to do and I'm trying to do it, but in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. So, these are at war one another and we have to feed our spirit and starve our flesh. That means all the good things that we want to do to feed our spirit, we have to do the opposite to our flesh. I want to listen to good, solid Christian worship music. I mean, I've got to stop listening to garbage music that fills my mind full of the lies of this world. I want to spend more time in the word than maybe I shouldn't stay up late watching garbage TV shows or movies that are taking me away in my walk with Christ. I want to be about solid Christian friends that are to help me do the right thing. Then maybe I should stop hanging out with those knuckleheads who make fun of me for wanting to follow Jesus, make fun of me for my faith, or trying to get me to fall into sin. Maybe I need to be around people who will encourage my faith, not discourage it. But I can't do both. I've got to pick a side. And I have to choose to feed my spirit and to starve my flesh. Go back to Galatians chapter 5 and we're done tonight. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, this I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, hey, walk in the spirit. He wouldn't have to tell you that if it was automatic. So I want you to get this, walking in the spirit is a choice that we have to make. I gotta choose to walk with Jesus this week. I gotta choose to put my flesh to death. 
didn't have time to look at it tonight, but Romans chapter eight, Paul says, I need to mortify or put to death the deeds of the flesh. I gotta die to myself and my bad habits and my bad things that I do so that the spirit can live. But this is a conscious choice I have to make. I wanna walk in the spirit this week. I wanna do the right thing. But walking in the spirit also requires continual attention. This word that Paul uses in the word walk not an English major, but the tense in which he wrote it means that this is a continual action that we have to continue to do. It's not a one-time thing that you get to check off. Hey, I walked in the Spirit. I'm good. No, no, no. Walking in the Spirit is a continual action that we have to do, and we have to stay after it every single day. You know why? Because your flesh is strong, and it's going to want to boil up. Man, the, the flesh is so strong that I got to put it to death every single day. I got to wake up and say, it's not about Anthony today, it's all about Jesus today. It's not about what I want, it's about what he wants. And when I get cut off in traffic and I think thoughts that I shouldn't think, I got to think to myself, God, give me grace because I need it. I want to walk in the spirit today. I want to have a good attitude. When somebody's unkind to me, when somebody does something disrespectful to me, I have to choose to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. I got to choose the spirit. Got to. Hey, it's easy to walk in the flesh. Anybody can do it. Most Christians do it already. Walking in the Spirit, though, you got to stay after that. Here's the great news. If you take a look at uh, verse number 18, he says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Here's a, a neat thing. The, the, the Gentiles and the Jews here in these churches at Galatia were all hung up on keeping the right rules. Uh, they, we got to make sure we circumcise our kids so that they can go to heaven. We got to make sure that we keep the Jewish ceremonial law so we can go to heaven. We got to make sure that we, we celebrate this feast so we can go to heaven. Paul goes, stop all that. First of all, it's about Jesus altogether. But look at verse number 18 again. Here's what he says. This I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse number 18. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Here's the thing. Walking in the spirit does away with legalistic rules. I don't need to make sure that I'm keeping every letter of the law if I'm led by the Spirit. You see, you don't have to tell the guy that's walking in the Spirit not to look at porn. He knows that. You don't have to tell the lady who's walking in the Spirit to watch her tongue and not be a gossip. She knows that. You don't have to tell people not to use foul language when they're walking in the Spirit. They already know that. And so he's saying here, we can do away with all the legalistic laws if we'll just walk in the Spirit. And if the Spirit leads us, we don't need to keep a checklist of rules that we have to follow. Final thought tonight, walking in the Spirit identifies us as a child of God. Again, only Christians, only children of God have the Spirit Turn back to Romans 8. I forgot one passage of Scripture. Sorry about that. As one who has sat in many church services, I know how excited people get when I say, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Uh, so I apologize when I say I'm going to say one more thing, and then I say a couple more. I apologize for that. Uh, but um, this is really the last thing. How about this? I'll just say this. This is the last thing that's in my notes. How about that, all right? What that means, I don't know. I'm just giving you uh, the... Uh, preface of that. Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. You should take time this week and read Romans chapter 8 in conjunction with Galatians 5. It's awesome. Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. You don't have to live in the flesh 
You don't owe your flesh anything. You owe Jesus everything. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons or daughters of God, children of God. Hey, you want to show people what a Christian looks like this week? Walk in the Spirit. You want to make Jesus look good this week? Walk in the Spirit. You want to be identified as a Christian this week? Walk in the Spirit. That sets you apart from everybody else. As we take a look over the next few weeks at what the fruit of the Spirit looks like in our life, man, if you're Spirit-filled, you're in your own category of, of unique in the world that we live in today. So many times people are like, well, I don't want to be the Christian weirdo in the, in the workplace. Here's the thing, if you're walking in the Spirit, you're not a weirdo, you're just a solid dude in the workplace. Well, I don't want to be the Christian weirdo in my, in my building or in my classroom or in the, the school that I go to and stuff like that. Hey, you don't have to be a Christian weirdo. But walking in the Spirit sets you apart from everybody else. Now, now for me, when I go to the gym, on my gym bag, I have a, a button that says Jesus on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that's being weird or putting my faith in people's face or anything like that. It's just a topic of conversation. Sometimes when I go to the gym, I wear Christian T-shirts, and people say, hey, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? Stuff like that, and it gives us opportunity to talk. I think it's good. But you know what? One of the things that, I've been going to the same gym for over three years now. I think one of the things that sets me apart of the people that I work out at the gym with is that I just try to be spirit-filled, try to help other people out, try to encourage other people. Somebody's struggling, I try to give them, give them a hand or encouragement always clean up after myself and leave things better than the way that I found them. Why? I'm just trying to make Jesus look good. And I'm thankful that at the, the gym that we go to over the last three years, we've had probably three dozen people from our gym visit our church. We've had probably about a dozen people from our gym come to our church and get saved. Just trying to, to make Jesus look good where I'm at. Where does that come from? Just trying to be spirit-filled. Hey, there's times where people are rude that I want to give them a piece of my mind. There's times that people are unkind to me when I go out of my way to be nice to them. Man, the flesh wells up and wants to get even. But then I remember. I remember what I'm doing here. I'm trying to make Jesus look good. It's not about me. And before this night is over, for many of you, you'll have a choice to either obey your flesh or obey the Spirit, and you've got to make a choice. And I guarantee you, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will have to make a decision to either give in to your flesh or to walk in the Spirit I'm telling you this, the Bible says, put to death your flesh, the deeds of your flesh, and you will live. And I'm telling you, once you start walking in the Spirit and you live in the way that Jesus intended to, you'll live like you've never lived before. Because walking in the Spirit is the most fulfilling life that you could ever possibly have. Giving into the flesh seems like a good idea for just a minute. It really does. But usually after we give into our flesh, after that comes disappointment, regret, frustration, wishing that you had the opportunity to do it over again. And I've never one time made a decision in the spirit that I've regretted because the Bible says it brings joy. That's what we're looking for in this life. Most important thing in the world, if you're here tonight, you do not know for sure that you are saved. I want to be clear on this. You don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And when it comes to obeying your flesh or obeying the Spirit, you have no choice but to obey your flesh because you don't even have the Holy Spirit. So if you're here tonight and you don't, do not know 100% sure that you are saved, tonight's your night to make sure that that's settled, to make sure that you know for sure that you are a child of God and that you are saved, and inside you resides the Holy Spirit. It's as simple as putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ tonight and being saved. 
If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that you're saved, be saved before you leave tonight. If you're here tonight and you're a child of God, let's walk in the Spirit this week and make Jesus look really good. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.